0: Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a 100 different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Were prohibited by and T-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit Cox.com Internet for details.
1: From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell and West.
2: That's Chamberlain. He's got it.
3: Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid
1: strike. To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Johnson is on there celebrating. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It was all over. The off. have won. It's Duncan Dynasty. With your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow sports business classroom alum. He's a regular on the program, a good friend Darius Scott. Darius, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks
3: for having me, Garrett.
1: You know, doing good. I, I'm coming off of uh, a bit of a cold. If uh, if anybody had listened to me last week, they may have heard me sound a little bit nasally. But i I think I'm, I'm on the mend now, so that's all good. How about you? How have you been? Um, pretty,
3: pretty good. Just watching a
1: bunch of hoops and trying <laughs> trying try to keep up with everything. Yep, this is uh, this is a great time of the year for the NBA. As uh, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the casual fans are going to start getting into the sport more as we, uh, as we hit that uh, marquee day for the NBA calendar, which is the Christmas Day games. Uh, anybody out there that's uh, active on Twitter, you can follow Darius, uh, and his uh, Twitter handle is at the other underscore Darius, Darius spelled D-A-R-I-U-S. Uh, but uh, Darius, the the episode we're gonna do today is uh, we're we're gonna rank the teams in tiers. Thought this would be interesting, given we're we're about a third of the way into the season. And again, I think this is a good time where where most casual fans start to get into the sport. And and uh, we we've seen you know 20 25 plus games of all of these teams. And we're gonna rank them into five different categories. The top category being title contenders, teams that we think have a, a legitimate shot at, at winning the NBA championship. Then we've got, uh, the, the second tier could make the conference finals. You know, if the bracket, uh, uh works out for them and they get a couple of favorable matchups, they, they could make a conference finals, but that, that probably is going to be their peak barring some, some crazy injury luck. Then the, uh, the next tier is fighting for, uh, for playoff teams, you know, uh, the, the group that are are trying to get in there and, and get into those seeds, probably eight through six in uh, in each conference. And then we've got Likely Lottery and the uh, the bottom tier being the uh, teams aiming for that number one overall pick. So, Darius, I'll let you get us started, and we're going to go from the, the bottom tier up, and so we'll start with the teams aiming for that number one pick. What team do you have in that uh, number 30 slot? It's... Uh... Going for the
3: worst team is—it's it's, it's a very close race. I have to surprise them to the Warriors. I, I think the Warriors have the least amount of NBA talent on, on their team, and when it comes down to it, it's like talent usually usually trumps all in, in, in this league, and the Warriors just have absolutely none.
1: Yeah, it's—I—I uh, I have them a little bit. Uh, Higher up on the list just because I have him in the same tier as you do, but a little bit higher just in the fact that, you know, Steph is likely to come back at some point, although um, perhaps perhaps Steve Kerr is going to be uh, pretty cautious with, with him as he comes back, and, and given that the, the stakes of this season are basically over and, and they've got nothing to play for, they may just end up uh, using this as a year for, for Draymond and Steph to basically have a sabbatical and, and make sure that they're rested and healthy for next season when, when Clay comes back, when they might have some some actual moves to make in the offseason to add to the roster. But uh, I, I saw a tweet recently that was pretty funny. It, uh, uh, it, the caption was, the Warriors are back, and the video was Draymond Green on a fast break running down, and he had the ball, and it looked like he had a wide-open layup, and he ends up throwing it off the backboard in an attempt to, you know, make one of those plays where he's got a teammate alongside him that'll catch it and dunk it home, but there was absolutely no one there to be the recipient of the pass, and the ball just was stolen. It was uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it, yeah like, like, I, that play it doesn't help my claim
3: that Draymond isn't a terrible offensive, offensive player. So uh, every every time I every, every time I say that I just get reminded that you know I might actually be wrong on that. But uh to your point with 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 the Warriors, yeah, the stuff will be bad but I do I, I feel like they're just gonna let him play just so you know, like you need to play against high level competition to be able to keep that uh you know, to just sit at the top me to still play against high level competition. But I can't imagine he plays more than like 20, 25 minutes a game coming down the
1: rest of the season because these guys are they're, they're, they're playing with nobody and they have nothing. To do. At least nothing. Yeah, it's uh it's a fair point, and yeah, I uh, I actually have the Warriors twenty eighth on my list, so I don't I'm not much higher on them than than you are. Uh, my number thirty team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Of course, they're right near the bottom of the uh, the Eastern Conference standings right now, and. Uh, they, uh, you know, they're a team that is likely to to potentially offload some some present talent. Uh, there's been a ton of Kevin Love trade rumors. There was a there was another uh, Zach Lowe pointed this out in in the Lowe post. There was a play where Kevin Love against the, the 76ers ran down into the into the key and and stood in the paint for about seven seconds, holding his hands up in the air and in defiance to the fact that his guards never uh, never pass him the basketball. Uh, yeah, this this team is, uh, there, there's a lot of drama surrounding the, the team's relationship with the head coach, John Beeline. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to be going very well in Cleveland. Yeah, and I understand the idea of last year taking context and
3: what they did. Um, you know, it was, it was, you get a point guard with high potential, or, or I guess you might see as having a, a high floor. Um, it's a good grab, but then. This year you're in another
2: spot where Devers Garland is the best player available, so you draft him. But those two guys
3: next to each other is it's not great, <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's obviously making the team worse. Kevin Love's not happy. Tristan Thompson he's a, he's a guy with a lot of value, who a championship team could use. So like they can definitely offer him, and that's just only going to make their team worse. I you know you you have you have no issues with me especially with your team. because they are awful.
1: Yeah, and and the big issue with yeah with Garland and Sexton together is as as Kevin Love showed uh, they they just don't pass the basketball that often. They they can make the very simple reads, but for the most part, they're they're looking for their own shots, and uh, that I'm sure can be frustrating for for veteran players and and yeah the the stuff with John Beeline is concerning. A lot of uh, rumors coming out that he's he's uh, treating the team like they're a college team, which I would assume means they're. Uh, he's working them harder in practice given the college schedule is lighter so you can you can have harder practices but in the NBA it's it's quite a grind and uh, perhaps that's another reason why the Cavs got off to like a I think a 4 and 7 start they actually looked okay but they've really struggled as as the season has progressed and that could be fatigue so Darius who do you have uh, who do you have next on your list oh um, i think we're going to
3: be on the same page here with the New York Knicks
1: Yep, they're uh, my number 29 uh, as well.
3: They're as, as awful as they come. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, like, the, the individual talent that they have, like, all, all those guys are valuable pieces on an NBA roster. But when you put these guys together with the same roster, they, I don't know if it gets any worse. Like, I, I, I don't know if Joyce, Joyce Randall next to Mitchell Robertson is it, it's, just, it's just a terrible thing. And your best playmaker is Marcus Morris. You have Alfred Payton, who's backed up by Frank (laughs) Marquino. And it's the roster construction. And and, and for everything to get blamed on David Fisdale, it's just the cherry on top of how how much of a garbage fire the Knicks are?
1: Yeah, it's... uh... It's real bad. And and you mentioning Marcus Morris being the the main creator, uh, you know, Marcus Morris is a solid player and he can be, you know, pretty valuable on a good team. I think that's why the Spurs tried to get him this offseason. They thought he would be a nice addition. But on a bad team, I think it just accentuates all the things that Marcus Morris does that are are pretty poor, which is the shot selection at times. Uh, He doesn't, uh, you know, he plays too much on the ball, his usage rate is too high and he takes a bunch of just inefficient jumpers, even if he can hit them at a decent percentage. But, uh, yeah, that has been bad. As, uh, as most people noted in their offseason when they acquired about four or five power forwards, it, it made no sense as far as the fit. And, yeah, the, the firing of Fisdale is a bit of a joke. as uh, there, there was no way to tell with, with really anyone at the helm as that head coach whether or not they were doing a good job with with this trashy of a roster. And, uh, you know, I was watching uh, their their game against the Pacers about a week and a half ago, and uh, it was just, uh, even in a game where the Knicks are are competitive and and potentially able to win the ballgame, it just is so ugly. They couldn't score for the last about four or five minutes, and then Julius Randle bricks the free throw with zero seconds left to to lose the game by a single point. It it has been, yeah, a, a total, total disaster. Yeah, and I, I I remember listening just to, like, a, a whole bunch of a, a preseason uh, reviews of the team of like, like, different paths that this team can take to
3: actually be good. And it was, it was a bunch of, like, just reaching for straws because everyone knew this team wasn't going to be any good. But one of the, the, the main things is that, like, at least this team could have had hat on Mitchell Robinson defensively. Like, he's, he's a guy who's super active. He's, he's going to protect the rim. He's going to be everywhere. He's home. And he has a hot lure and, and all those things are, are good like if they could just lean on this guy defensively maybe they could be not as as terrible as they are and him like he can only be on the floor for like he's only he's only averaging uh, in, in the mid-twenties for minutes because of the fit next to Julius Randle and, and the other power pools and to me that's just, it's, it's, I just you just gotta shake your head at uh, Steve Mills and, and the management because he's one of your best
1: players, and he can't, can't even get on the floor. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the the management. I would say is has been the well. Yeah, you, you can't really say between management and ownership which one is hurting this team more. It, uh, it's it's probably a tie. They're they're both just absolutely killing this organization and this franchise, and and limiting their ability to to succeed. And and yeah, the the future doesn't look exceptionally bright for New York. Uh, but uh, let's let's move on to, uh, so I, I had uh, Golden State in my number 28 spot. Who do you have there? Uh,
3: for, for me, it was I'm, I'm, I'm a little in the fence with this team because I don't think they're as bad as, as, as I don't think they are, are as bad now as they might end up with the Washington Wizards. Um, they're, they're, they're not great now, but I feel like they have some valuable pieces now that they might ship off and they could
1: they could definitely end up in that top three or four first teams in yeah the uh the the wizards are uh, i have them in this tier as well i actually have them as the top team in the tier because they actually are good on one end of the floor they've been a really good offense this season um so so that's why maybe i'm a little bit higher but their defense has been absolutely atrocious. Their Their whole team is basically just a, a turnstile to the rim. And uh, um, the fact that they are they, they have as poor of a record as they do, despite being a well-above-average offense, is just a testament to how atrocious that defense has been.
3: Yeah, it, it actually made me laugh, because I heard someone say this the other
1: day, it's a true talent to be able to score 125 points and still lose by 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, and it, it made me
3: laugh because like how can you be that bad defensively, and somehow they yeah. are. And what I said earlier about how like they could possibly get worse is like Davis Burton's Like I don't think he could be having a better year for himself. And that's good for the Wizards because like, they're going to be able to get something pretty bad Uh It's probably going to be maybe some of the round round first first round pick. But he's been so good for them that as soon as they trade him, their offense is going to take a hit. And um, Since they have no defense, if their office takes a hit, then man, Mike Bottom's going to come with
1: that. Yeah, that's interesting. I I almost question. Uh, obviously, it would make sense for them to to trade Bertans and trade the likes of even Bradley Beal and and just just really start a rebuild and stop trying to to aim for being like the eighth seed like they've had for so long, but. Uh, I question whether they're actually going to do that. You know, John Wall is likely going to be back next year. Uh, I I have this uh, fear that this organization thinks, well, once we get Wall back, we'll keep Bertans, we'll keep Beal, and we'll we'll fight for the playoffs again. Yeah, but then there's that good old uh, who's
3: going to play defense of
1: the center position? <laughs> <laughs> right. Center position. Because because like you said, like that's where they're just absolutely awful. was Thomas Bryant. And nice as it's been to, to see him go from essentially a nobody last year to being
3: a somewhat of a valuable piece this year. He just can't play defense, and you can just have him parade to the rim. So like that position needs to be showed up, and I don't see a, a path as of right now how, how you can make that happen.
1: Yeah, and it seems like the, the fact that the Wizards' backline defense is so porous the, the whole rest of the roster has just decided, well, if it doesn't matter if we, if we work hard to try to slow down guys on drives, they still will just score over our bigs anyway. Why, why even give that even minimal effort? Why not just allow blow-bys? And that seems to be what's happening. All right, so the, the, the next team for me is the Atlanta Hawks. And the uh, the Hawks obviously have uh, have struggled at the at the beginning of the season, and they haven't had John Collins due to a suspension for an extended period. Now it, it looks like he's going to return on uh, on December 23rd, so that will help this team quite a bit. But again, given the youth that's already on this roster, given how uh, you know they're they're already out of uh, the likely playoff race in the Eastern Conference. I expect this team to uh, to continue to struggle and uh, and probably get another borderline top-five pick.
3: Yeah, to me, I was, I was on the fence with them because I, I know they've been just pretty bad to start this year, but some of that, I feel some of that will improve when John Collins, John Collins returns. But the other thing that have you on the fence with, besides Young, there isn't a point guard on this team. Right. And when he doesn't play, and it was it was terrible. I think he missed about just a week or a week and a half. When when, when he wasn't there, it was, it was one of the worst, offenses in, in, in the league because Troy Young generates everything for them. He's he's the agent on offense, and when he's not on the floor, I mean, even now, like the Minnesota he does, it's just the offense is just it just goes nowhere. So the, the idea that this team would come coming to the season with one actual point guard is, 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 is just laughable. So if anything else happens to Trey Young, but he can't be on the floor, I mean, this, those are just automatic losses. And Trey Young being on the floor it hasn't
1: seemed to have that much anyway. Right, and that was, you know, I think they were projected for, for around 35 wins for their over-under before the season, and that's why I was... You know, pounding the under on that just because they're yeah the backup point guard situation. Not only when when Trey Young potentially were to get hurt and miss games, but also just when he's off the floor and having to rest, uh, this team's offense just looks absolutely inept. Uh, so so yeah, I again I think there'll be a lot more of a, a joy to watch once Collins returns, and obviously Trey Young has been putting up monster numbers when he's been out there. So there'll be a team that I'll I'll certainly watch for you know the last two thirds of the season, uh, but uh, I, I don't expect that to result in a lot of wins. Who do you have next on your list? So the the, the last team for, for me because um, uh, the Hawks were also in my my bottom tier teams
3: for number one potentials and the last team here is they're the very good in the and I I don't see them getting number one pick but I can see them. Definitely, uh, kind of mailing you know, it in the last portion of the season is the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. With John Moran having his his back issues, uh, I, I I I can see them eventually running to slow down uh, Jaron Jackson because they don't play these guys a lot of minutes to begin with. So, because uh, like, like normal starters, they're being around the thirty-two to thirty-five minute range, and these guys, I don't think anyone plays over thirty minutes. minutes. So, I feel like they're, they're already cautious on all the players on this team, so I feel like once we get down towards late February, early March, um, I, I can definitely see them just slowing guys minutes down, and if Jaron Jackson, he's, he's probably the best player. If he's on the floor, if they start getting John Ransom rest, they can just stand up the losses and fall into the high lottery. But overall, I don't think this team is that kind of bad, I, I
1: just think just as the season. Yeah, I, I actually had the Grizzlies as my bottom team in the the tier above this, which is the likely lottery. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty close to you. I definitely could see the scenario you you're pointing to the you know the team kind of uh, easing the load on on John Morant and Jaron Jackson, and you know maybe selling some of their veteran guys and and really uh, you know bottoming out to try to get uh, another good draft pick. And, of course, they, they've got another situation, I believe, this year with their pick being protected with the with the Boston Celtics. So, uh, yeah, I definitely could see that. It, it's just a little bit hard for me to imagine, even in the event that they, they limit Jackson and, and, uh, and Morant's minutes, they've still got enough quality rotation pieces with the likes of Jay Crowder, Jonas Valanciunas. Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson—they—they've—they've they've got a functional NBA rotation, uh, and they just seem to be a little bit ahead of of some of these other teams. But but I certainly could could see the scenario you uh, you pointed happening. Yeah, um, a lot of those guys uh, I'm, I'm, just,
3: I'm I'm not super high on, them, which is kind of why they they've been as as so that's the reason why they've struggled thus um, far. Jay Crowder, he, he's, always, he's always been a guy that I think he thinks he's, he's better than he is, and teams around the league might think that too, just for the fact that he had like one good shooting year in Boston, and, and then all of a sudden he's a shooter now, and it seems like he hasn't made a shot
1: since. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I
3: definitely agree that a lot of time and um, rotation pieces, which is definitely going to keep those guys from being the number one. But I don't think it's going it <laughs> to. They're going to they're, they're going to be right
1: there in terms of the battle or I guess the top of the ladder. Yeah. So the final team that I had in the in the bottom tier, the the teams aiming for the number one pick, and and maybe honestly that you know uh, I, I should have put this team where I have Memphis, and and Memphis where I have this team, but I, I've got the New Orleans Pelicans, and obviously they've they've struggled mightily out of the gate, and a big part of that is you know them missing Zion Williamson, but then there was. There was more news recently about Zion's return. Uh, originally, when he got injured and they kept him out at the start of the season, the thought was he would be coming back around Christmas time. But now they're suggesting maybe into mid-January or even later. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they end up just not bringing Zion back this season and, and being super cautious uh, and and you know focusing on the future. And, you know, if he's not playing, this team uh, has shown to be just not a very good basketball team. Yeah, and that, I, I just got to scratch my head at that because they have good players. And for some reason, it's just not clicking. And I know Zion is a huge part of that. Uh, Derek Favors was supposed to be kind of what angered the defense. And he's missed time to injury, and then he had a death in the family, and then he got injured again. And I
3: think he's like, he's been questionable for a few games now and just hasn't played. Uh, like, that's part of the reason why their defense is struggling, because their firm is supposed to help a lot of that. But they have some strong defensive players with Drew Holiday, uh, Lonzo, for all his shooting moves. He's a, he's a, he's a side defender. Um, Brandon Ingram looks like he's the another step this year. And it's resulted in them having a similar record to the next and next I'm, I'm, I'm just,
1: I'm just Right. I, I, I agree. I mean, they, they do have a lot of talent on the roster. It seems, but, but yeah, you, you point to the defensive talent, but I mean, this team is ranked 29th in defense according to Cleaning the Glass. They have been really bad on that end. I think part of that can be attributed to Alvin Gentry. He's never been that great of a defensive coach. They also play this crazy fast pace. That, uh, you know, and, and sometimes that leads to, to players on the floor being fatigued and, and not giving the kind of effort on that end of the floor that you would need. And, you know, Favors, I think, was was supposed to be the guy that uh, was the, the defensive presence, the, the rim protector for this team. And, you know, guys like Jackson Hayes, uh, you know, he's not ready. There, there are other backup centers in the likes of Melly and, and Okafor. They're not good defensive players. So the similar to uh, Washington, they just have no backline defense. Yeah, and for me, I was I was similar to you. Like they were they're going to be my next
3: team in, in, in the next year, But I was really defensive because but like, the Pelicans, like, they're just they're just really bad, and I just I definitely didn't see this coming.
1: Yeah. So uh, have we gone through all your teams in the in the bottom tier now? Yep. All right, so we have as well with mine, and yeah, the the top team in that bottom tier for me again was the, the Washington Wizards. So, uh, moving on to the likely lottery teams, I only have three teams in this tier, uh, and and the bottom team, as I mentioned, was was the Memphis Grizzlies. Who's your first team in this tier, Darius? So <laughs> another team that I kind of thought would
2: take another step and just took a. They, they they did take a step it was just in the wrong direction.
3: Uh Chicago moves Um I, I don't I don't understand well, I, it's, it's, I guess it's a, it's a number of I guess the guys on our team aren't that good when if Zach Levine is you, featured a, a offensive player, then you're just you're just asking for trouble because he can be extremely inconsistent. Well not he can be. He is. Um and then he's, he's a massive player on defense. And then it looks like he's, it always looks like he's feuding he's with, with the coach.
1: So that's And then the defense, just, just, they're just not good. The defense not Right. Yeah, the, uh, the defensive problems have been a concern. You know, you look at some of the guys they brought in in the offseason, the likes of Sadoransky, the likes of Thaddeus Young, um, you know, having Otto Porter for a full season. You know you thought that bringing those three guys in, three guys that are known for for being solid defenders, that this would sort of shore up an issue that the Bulls have had in the past, but it really hasn't uh, that their defense has still been poor. And you know obviously Otto Porter has only played in uh, I believe nine games thus far, so his absence has been huge. Lowry Markkinen has been one of the more disappointing players. Uh, from an individual perspective in the entire league this season, he just has not shot the ball well from basically anywhere. Yeah, and, like, I, I guess this is more of a personal
3: issue I have with him because I drafted him on, on, my, on my fantasy team fairly high, and, his, and I, I just see his numbers every game just just not be impressive. And so so I decided to watch him game, like, to see what's actually happening. And it just looks like he, he's not really that involved, and like, he does shoot. He just misses everything. Um it's, you know, I, I can't complain exactly what it was from all this team, but it definitely looks like Jim Boylan is not getting through these guys, and if he's going to have his style for this particular team and not work, they might have to have to start looking at making some changes at that position.
1: Yeah, I had the Bulls right around where you did as well. I had them uh, uh, number uh, number 23 on my list, and yeah, my my second team, my middle team in this likely lottery group. Uh, my, my final team in this section is the Charlotte Hornets. They've been better than I think most of us anticipated in large part due to the play of rookie P.J. Washington, but then most notably uh, Devontae Graham, who's been a, a, a pleasant surprise for this group. But uh, they do still feel just like a team that's not going to be quite good enough to uh, to compete for the postseason, as bad as the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff picture looks.
3: Yeah, and that's the only reason why I was thinking about putting them in the next year because the bottom of the Eastern isn't good. So it's like, could, this, could the Hornets maybe sneak in there? And do I, I, I still think it's possible, but it's also possible that. Snowflake will appear now. So, so it's not very likely. But I think I don't don't know if I've ever seen a player go from take the steps that Devontae Graham is taking within, I guess, less than a year. Because I think if you you go back to last year, him he was on a two-way contract, and I I don't even know if he was good enough to be on a a two-way contract. And then now he's by far the best player on his team, and. If they if, if, if give Mr. Curry rewards to second-year
1: players, I mean, he runs win. right. It's been it's been sensational, you know. The uh, obviously ju- not just the percentages. You know, he's gone from he shot thirty-two percent from three last year. He's up to forty-two percent, but then doing it with the volume that he's doing it is just is just really really impressive he's hitting really difficult step back threes you know of the highest difficulty variety and yeah he's been really the the key source of offense for this for the Charlotte team and yeah there there is a chance that you know the bottom portion of the the Eastern Conference playoffs gets so bad that we could be looking at teams with maybe you know low to mid 30s and wins being actually like actually competing for for a postseason berth.
3: Yeah, and yeah, and I, 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 I just have the problem that I don't think the Bruins are are really good, but it's just the other teams that they're, they're competing with are so bad that why not? <laughs> like why, why, why not the Charlotte Hornets? And and the, like Terry Rozier, as well, I guess he's he's the butt of a lot of jokes because he signs into a fairly big contract. And he's being outplayed by Demetrius outplay Graham. But he Terry Rozier, he actually hasn't been terrible. Um, he's, he's been he's been pretty pretty happy for that. It's just that he's being overshadowed
1: by Demetrius Graham. Well, I think yeah, I think the the presence of Graham surprisingly has been a good thing for for Terry Rozier because it's allowed him to play a role that maybe he's a little bit more comfortable with, not having that crazy high usage and playing a little bit more off the ball, not being the, the the uh, the focal point of the of the defense's attention, so I think Devontae Graham's uh, rise has has really helped Rozier settle in and and be a positive contributor for that team. So uh, we've gone through all three of my teams that I had in the uh, in the likely lottery tier. Do you have anybody else in this group?
3: So I do, and it hurts me to, to put this team here because I'm I I, I really do. Like watching, or at least I used to like with this team. But the San Antonio Spurs have become really bad, and I don't think they're going to claw their way um, out. They just—I like, I think with Marcus Aldridge, he's pretty much done as in terms of him being like a high-usage, star-caliber player. Um, he just doesn't have it anymore, and it kind of—not looks—he's not, looks. not trying to beat this a lot of times. Um, he's just giving like C-minus effort. Like version, he's never been a good defender, and now with, with, with the point guard position, like the Jonathan Murray, he's like his, his inability to be a the player on offense who can, can hit jump shots, and it's it's a whole lot of issues with this team, and I don't think it gets fixed. And to me, these guys are just one hundred percent definitely going to be
1: lottery. Interesting. So I, I, uh, you know, I have the Spurs. A little bit higher than you, I think partially because I, I still just believe in that Greg Popovich magic, and I think they still have a chance. And the, the, again, like the Eastern Conference, the bottom portion of the Western Conference playoff picture does not look very good this season. So a team in the West maybe getting to 500 uh, could could potentially get into the playoffs. So the Spurs... Right now we're recording on a Monday afternoon, sitting at ten and fifteen. They just have to go five games over five hundred the rest of the season, I think, to to potentially make the postseason. And your point about Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, it's it's tough for me because I've I've been a I've been pro Lamarcus Aldridge for quite a few years now. But yeah, I, I think the defense, especially, has taken a dip this season. Offensively, it's hard to fully uh, you know look at him as being the problem, given that. This roster, especially with the likes of uh, of Dejounte Murray now getting heavy minutes, and him being a, a poor outside shooter, they just don't have enough spacing on this team. And I think in in previous seasons, you know, they they were able to to still even last year they were able to remain an elite offense with a with a mid range heavy shot distribution because they got really good production from the likes of Davis Bertans and and Bryn Forbes. Forbes is another guy that's that's been struggling this year compared to last. And yeah, not having Bertans on this roster has been a, a huge blow, especially to that second unit. Yeah, so I was,
3: when they were in the midst of their pretty bad losing streak, y'all. and I, I I try not to be a prisoner. of I try not to just get caught up in, in, in the now, but they lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Grizzlies. They lost to the Magic. Lost to the Timberwolves. Lost to the Wizards. Lost to i lost to Timberwolves twice. Uh, lost to the Pistons. And and they lost to the Cavs recently. Um, <clears throat> like this is kind of an easy stretch of the season. So so like, that's that's kind of what I made up my mind because the schedule is going to be harder when when the. Top teams of the East come come back, and top teams of the West come back. Like this is the part of the schedule that maybe winning every game is, isn't necessarily possible, but you need to take care of most of those easy wins, and that's a lot of losses to a lot of bad teams.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. The Spurs have had a a history of really you know mopping the floor with the weaker competition in the league, and that just has not been the case this year. And and you're right that at some point. You know, just not racking up some of those wins early in the season can come back to bite you. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's still just hard for me to, you know, I, I had plenty of concerns about this roster and this team, even dating back to last year. But um, Pop, year in and year out, just seems to prove me wrong. They they were struggling pretty similar to this last year as well and and were able to turn it around. Uh, so I'm not giving up on them just yet, but I certainly understand all of your uh, all of your concerns. So, uh, was there any, was there any other teams in the, in the likely lottery category for you? No,
3: no, it's supposed to be one, last one.
1: Okay, so let's move on now to fighting for the playoff team tier. And uh, this group, I've got nine teams in it. And uh, the first team in there, I've got the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Thunder. They're a team that has uh, you know currently is sitting at 11 and 14. They're right there in the playoff picture, but there is a question mark as far as if this team is going to, to be sellers at the deadline. You know, you look at guys like Danilo Gallinari and Russell Westbrook and, and those guys are, are going to be players that other teams are, are going to look at and, and maybe throw some offers at Sam Presti. And and given the status of this team, they've got a ton of draft picks. They're they're uh, they're they're going to try to maybe build around Shea Gilgis Alexander. They could be a team that uh, offloads some talent. I'm thinking you meant Chris Paul, but you said
3: Russell Westbrook.
1: Oh yes, sorry. Uh, uh, after uh, yeah, after a decade of Westbrook being there, I guess uh, I got used to OKC and Westbrook. But yes, Chris Paul. Thank you for clearing that up.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think we're the same as that both at Thunder, we as Thunder in the same as that position. Um, I think, I think like, they're actually a pretty good team. It's just a matter of when it comes time to for the, the trade that line up. I, I, I think they're, they're going to win to sell some of these pieces because they made it clear in the offseason with the, with, with the goal was. Like, they're stockpiling draft picks, and they're trying to build for the future. because they've been good now doesn't mean that plan has gone away. So, I, I, I would assume that they're probably taking calls now. They're making calls on what they can get with him. And I'm sure at the deadline somebody's going to work down on it. Um, I, I, know th- I I feel like they want to trade Chris Ball, but who, the, the team who takes on Chris Ball, that is a heck of a burden. <laughs> so, so, I'm not so sure that, that happens, but I for sure can see them dropping out, just for the simple fact that not, not because
1: of talent, not because this team's not like it, good, it's just because they're going to start selling pieces. Yeah, and and your your hesitation as far as them getting offloading Chris Paul, I think is the reason why I have them in, in the tier fighting for the playoffs as opposed to the, the likely lottery tier, is because, yeah, it's going to be tough to get rid of him. And there's a chance that as good as Gallinari is that they don't get a you know, good enough asset to to feel like it's worth getting rid of him, and and there is still uh, you know some value, especially in that market, Oklahoma City, not a not a a major market in the NBA, of just continuing to to fight and and make this season feel worthwhile and and potentially get a couple of uh, of playoff games for uh, for uh, for some more ticket revenue. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think all, all those things are, are true because like the, the city's been used to just run of went through five seats in, in, in the playoffs, and now they're, they're looking at possibly rebuilding for several years. I can I, I can just see ownership leaning towards the way of, Let's just get let's just do something to keep people in the stands.
1: Right, and you know they could always make the playoffs this year, and then tank out next year that's always a possibility Uh, but uh, yeah so who's your who's your bottom team in the uh, in the fighting for the playoffs tier Darius so
3: so I I did have Thunder in the same spot you did but the the next team for me would be the Phoenix Suns
1: okay Um, they are surprisingly not as bad
2: as I thought they were and, and, and and to me like they could actually
3: get a little bit better because Aaron Baines has been hurt for a while, but he's he, he's come back to, to play some, and he's been just a surprising just defensive anchor for them. Um, it, to me, he's actually been a, lot of, a little better than, uh, than uh, DeAndre Ayton. So the, the absence of DeAndre Ayton has, hasn't hurt them the way I thought of it would because Aaron Baines has stepped up very nicely. And then adding Aaron Baines as your you – know, they're, they're probably going to end up starting him, but – whether one of those two guys is your are starting back up center, you're, you're in a really good position. That means you're taking minutes away from Frank Kaminsky, which isn't a terrible thing. And the, the addition of Rubio allowing Devin Booker to be off the ball time and being able to create that way has helped his game a ton. I think he's just a much better player in that scenario, and the team is definitely a better
1: player. Yeah, I actually have the, the Suns quite a bit higher on my list. Um, the uh, the reason uh, you mentioned a lot of it is the you know replacing Frank Kaminsky with with quality center minutes is going to be a huge upgrade for this team, and and yeah the the backcourt of, of Rubio and Booker has been solid. They're getting decent wing play out of the likes of Ubre and and Mikael Bridges, and even Cam Johnson provides a skill that this team needs off the bench. Uh, I I I like this roster, and uh, I think. Yeah, getting uh, getting 48 good minutes of center play is going to help this team, and they're already right there in the hunt. Yeah,
3: to me, my only thing is uh, just the the depth on this team. Because, like you said, Kim Jackson, Kim Jackson gave him good minutes, but, he's, but like rookies, I put, for the most part,
2: rookies will always fail you in the end when you, when you need them to come through for you. And
3: depth could to be an issue for all. Uh, that weak because Carol Ubra's giving them seven minutes. But you're relying on Ube and the Bridges and I, I just I just feel like they need a little bit more. And this year has definitely been a pleasant surprise, but I, I just wouldn't be surprised next year is when they take that leap into being that six, seven of the
1: Yeah, um the it is fair to fair to question whether the first, you know, 25 plus games of this season is uh, is more valid than than the last couple of years of evidence and uh, if if the last couple of years is more of an evidence yeah this team will start to sink towards the bottom of the standings but I uh, I actually do have some faith that uh, what they're doing this year is uh, reminiscent of a at least a close to average basketball team uh, but yeah the, the next team I have on the list and and this was a team that was tough for me uh, the, the reason I have them in this tier of teams fighting for the playoffs is I think they might be buyers at the deadline and that is the the Portland Trail Blazers. Okay, I, I, I can see that, but my, my only issue with them
3: is and I, I definitely want them to be buyers. I just don't know how they get in terms of it's like, I don't think they're in, they're in a good spot with the cap and they don't have much to give up.
1: Yeah, I think the, the key trade piece obviously would be Whiteside um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's questionable how much teams value Whiteside at this point. And, uh, also the, uh, you know, I think the, the big asset that Portland has to throw into a trade if they don't want to get rid of, you know, young talents like, uh, Nasir Little and, uh, Anfernee Simons would be to trade away their first round pick. But given where they currently are in the standings, I feel like, uh, Neil O'Shea would, would uh, feel like he would have to protect that pick pretty heavily, and, and that might turn teams off as well. Yeah, so the only
3: other move that I kind of first saw in the beginning of the season was if they were to struggle, you could, like, I, I feel like where they would have struggled would been on defense at the power forward position. And to me, it just made sense for both teams in this scenario for them to work out something with like the magic where they get Aaron Gordon and they send CJ there. Because now Anthony Simons, he would he would have to step up into probably a starter role like at the shooting guard position. And that would be a lot, but he's a very talented kid. So I feel like that could have definitely worked. But then they sign Kumbala out, which kinda threw that whole thing the window and doesn't solve any of the defensive issues.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um wow, I actually really like that uh that that uh, fake trade because yeah I think it would actually benefit both teams you know Aaron Gordon is a is a solid player I think he might uh, with the leadership of Damian Lillard and that culture they have in Portland he might be more willing to accept a role that that suits his skill set as opposed to being more of a high usage ball handler and then you know Orlando has needed shot creation and, and offensive help in the worst way for years and and McCullum would bring them that I, I really do like that offer but yeah you you mentioning the the Carmelo thing and and Carmelo of course in his first week there winning the Western Conference player of the week I think he's going to be overrated for the rest of the season now uh, and uh, yeah it's, I mean you're kind of making me question why I had this team in this category maybe I should have put them in the likely lottery because yeah if, if a trade isn't imminent, I don't, I don't like this team's chances.
2: Yeah, and I can,
3: I, 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 I have them in the to playoffs too, and it, it, it makes sense because like Damian you know he is, he's, he's he's one of the best frontcourt in the league, definitely top three the board. and CJ McCall is a good player too. Uh, I mean, he, he definitely has his faults, but he's still a solid player, and those two can carry you a long way. It's just that they can't defend at a higher level at their own position, let alone them having to make up for the deficiencies at the power forward position. And Whiteside, he's some nights he brings it, other nights he just he just doesn't. Um, it's a it's a lot to ask for those two guys to carry the look like this, but I think they can do it. But but they're definitely playing an uphill battle this
1: particular season with just his team Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tough. And, yeah, the, the thing that uh, stands out to me as well is just not having Zach Collins till likely March or later. It's just, you know, having to go pretty much the entirety of the season with, with uh, arguably the worst power forward position, worst talent at the power forward position in the entire league. It's, uh, it is definitely an uphill battle. Uh, my my next couple of teams, uh, we, we talked a little bit about the Spurs. I had them next. And then uh, up after that, I had the Detroit Pistons. And they're a team, again, fighting with Orlando and maybe Charlotte for that uh, final spot, that eighth spot in the East. But, uh, you know, against Houston recently, Griffin going down in the first half with another knee issue, another knee injury. And, uh, you know, I... I don't. Uh, I'm not too high on Detroit if if Blake Griffin doesn't play in, in the majority of the rest of their games.
3: Yeah, you know, while Blake Griffin was playing, he just wasn't the same guy. Um, he like he's he's been okay, but for from the Blake Griffin that we know, and also the guy that they're paying him to be, being just okay is not you nearly know, good enough. And now you're just asking more from guys like and we're asking more from
2: Andre with which I don't know if you want him to carry more of an offensive
3: line, but it's, it's just, like, I, I feel like the players on this team are too good for me to have put them in the, in the lottery category, category, but I just, I just don't know if, if I see this team even getting to the eighth seed. Like, it's, the path for them to get there just seems long and, and lucky. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's, it's crazy to me because, uh, I don't know about you, but this was, the, this was my number two team as far as the East in this tier uh, behind Orlando, which we'll get to in a minute. And Orlando isn't that impressive of a team, and yet it feels like there's such a huge gap there. Yeah, this, this is when, when
3: it comes to the talent on this team, It's not great. (laughs) It's not great. Like, the guys that that they they do have are pretty good. Like, like Derek Rose, like, like he can do a a lot of nice things in small stints, but now they're going to on him a lot. So we're going to get a lot of Derek Rose, and I don't know where that's going to go. I mean,
2: because,
3: like, Derek Derek Rose sucks up a lot of usage, so when that usage gets spread out, it's... I, I, I'm, I'm just worried for the Pistons because I do like I did like the
1: direction they're going. Now I'm not sure. Yeah, it's uh when when you're paying Blake Griffin thirty plus million and he doesn't look like an all star player anymore. It is uh, is a big concern. So Darius, who did you have? uh Who did you have next in this tier? Uh, I
3: was for the for, for, for the East is definitely the team you mentioned, but. I uh, I I'll i go to, to my next team because uh the Timberwolves uh, I'm just so disappointed in them, in them because I want such great things for Carl Anthony Towns and for some reason I don't think it's him, it's, I, I think it's everyone else. They just continually let this team down. Um, we get in, like we get really good Andrew Wiggins for first and then we get some part Andrew Wiggins first stints. Um I don't know what's happening at the point guard position for <laughs> them. It's just so, just so much head scratching moments for this team. McCarron in town is so good.
1: I'm I'm convinced that they might be sneak into the top. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. You know Minnesota is. Uh, you know you thought maybe that their defense could take a leap this year with with Robert Covington being healthy and and Covington has been healthy for most of the year and yet their defense is. Uh, last I checked, at 23rd in the NBA. So the defense hasn't uh, hasn't been as good as I would have hoped, and obviously the offense has been solid in, in large part due to Towns. And, and as, as improved as Wiggins has been this year compared to previous years, he's still shooting around league average true shooting, and he still has a higher usage rate on this roster than Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the most efficient big men ever. Yeah, <laughs> and...
3: That's, that's kind of what I mean, where it's town should clearly be the future guy. Right? He should clearly get as much of the usage as his team can can, can give him and that's just not the case. And Wiggins has been better, but they'd be but like, the, the team as a as a whole would be better if the usage situation between those two would, would just flip that. Right? And and I, I don't know, like Andrew Wiggins, like he's been that player his whole career, so I think it'd
1: become naive for me to just think it's going to change it now. Right. Um, and yeah, like he's been—he's been a positive presence for this team. But again, when when part of your presence is taking away from the the contributions of your team's best player, that uh, that's not that's not good. And and yeah, again, the the fact that the defense has been so poor this year so far. Makes me question whether they can they can sneak in, but again, the West, uh, the the bottom of the playoff picture in both conferences being so poor has has allowed all of these teams to feel like they've got a a, a realistic shot at this. Um, the next team on my list is uh, I've got the Sacramento Kings, and the Kings have have done a good job of uh, you know if the if the season ended today, and again we're recording Monday afternoon, the Kings would be would be in the uh, Western Conference playoffs and, and they've been able to to stay alive despite the fact that De'Aaron Fox has missed a, a significant amount of time. Um, and, and I wanted to, to ask you, Darius, uh, you know, has this run from Sacramento and the, the play of Buddy Heald and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, especially in the half court on offense, has their play convinced you that maybe De'Aaron Fox is, is a bit overrated when it comes to this team? I don't think so. <laughs> like, if anything, I think I just think adding adding Fox back to this is just going to make those guys
3: even better because they're going to play faster and and with uh, I I think if this team plays faster, you are going to get better looks for guys like Buddy Hill, because like, right now, Buddy Hill is a lot of <clears throat> trying to do a lot of like off of the driven creation, and he hasn't been bad at it, but I think he, he's just going to be better. When, the ball is in Fox's hands, and De'Aaron Fox is doing a lot of, a lot of the creating. And then you have know, Bogdanovich Bob, Bob just come off the bench, and he, he can play below the second units against the second-unit players, and you know, he's been
2: feasting on, on, on those guys. So I feel like
3: just having Fox, just it might not take away from the amount of shots these guys are getting, but I feel they will get better looks when Fox doing that.
1: Yeah, my biggest concern, and, and I agree in terms of the, the transition game, I think that's been something that's been uh, De'Aaron Fox's strength early on in his career is pushing the, bu- pushing the tempo, getting guys shots in transition. He's a, he's a really good passer. My concern is in the half court. You know, I've watched Bogdanovich in the half court this season, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with, against a set defense, Bogdanovich with the ball in his hands as opposed to Fox. And I would almost like to see Fox take a little bit of a, a step back in terms of his usage in the half court and focus more of his energy on specific stuff like transition offense and, and pressuring op- opposing ball handlers.
3: Yeah, that's, that's definitely a I think mean, in one, when, uh, like, when he's been the main uh, well, primary handler, it's like the offense has, has been really, really good. Um, so, so no, like, that's something I'm, I'm definitely going to pay attention to more because I'm I'm just such a huge fan of the you know, Fox and I love the tempo that he, that he plays with. But since we're talking about teams fighting, fighting for the playoffs, uh,
1: yeah, like the speed at which he plays with would definitely get slowed down uh, if this thing happens to be playing in the right? Um, yeah, the uh, Playoff defenses are going to get back and, and focus on taking away easy stuff and and yeah the the half court offense although you know Fox has improved you know I think he was pretty poor as a rookie in the half court he got a lot better last year uh, but uh, he's still got a, a ways to go in terms of being an efficient half court player and um, but uh, yeah it'll be it'll be fascinating to see sort of the uh, the distribution of. Uh, How much usage guys like Bogdanovich and Heald and and Fox get when when Fox does return and and he should be returning fairly soon I think uh, there was a quote that uh, he said he might return by by next week sometime but uh, yeah we've gone through all of my teams except for one uh, and and the, the the top team on my list is here for the fighting for the playoff tier is the the Brooklyn Nets and the Nets seem to be a team that. Uh, they're they're outside of that top six in the East, and, and the top six in the Eastern Conference seems to be pretty strong this year. But they're they're kind of uh, in their own tier in terms of being a pretty safe bet to make the postseason. But at the same time, uh, I, I don't expect them to get very far uh, once the playoffs arrive. Yeah, and the, the strange thing with this team is they've been better
3: without Kyrie, and I have. No answer as, as to why. <laughs> um, I mean, Kyrie has different strengths and different weaknesses than the Spencer Dinwiddie led team. But I don't know if if, if, the, if those things equal a much better team, and they've been better now. So when Kyrie eventually comes back, I'm I'm just not sure what the team is, is going to look like, like as a team trying trying to grow and. It'll stay that way when Kyrie comes back. It's like, I just I just
1: have a ton of questions about this team, but overall, I I just don't think they have the talent level to compete with the guys who are going to be in this next year. Yeah, uh, the the Kyrie thing is fascinating, and you know there's been there's been talk. You know there was this this came up with uh, with his play with Boston. You know the 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 Celtics team that that made the Eastern Conference Finals without him. And then he comes back, and, and the expectations, including my own expectations for, for the Celtics last year, were through the roof, and they end up uh, you know, fading out in the second round and, and getting really dominated by the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know, then this year, you're absolutely right, the, the, the Nets have played better without him on the floor. So, you know, is it a fair thing to question at this point as to, you know, obviously Kyrie Irving is an incredibly talented basketball player. He's made big shots on the biggest of stages. But uh, with him leading your basketball team, is it fair to question whether he actually helps you win games? Yeah, and uh, he doesn't like it. We're just going to have to see whenever he comes
3: back. And I I just can't fathom with a player that good. That your team isn't better with them, um, so <laughs> I mean, like hey, I'm, I'm just gonna have to figure that out. But but I do like a lot of the changes, or at least one one of the changes that this team has made is getting Jared Allen a lot more minutes and not DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> I feel like that right. is uh, an thing that I guess wasn't so obvious as in the beginning of the season, but just giving DeAndre Jordan less minutes and Jared Allen more. Um, it was, it was a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, and uh, it it will be fascinating to see when when Irving comes back how that looks, and and perhaps with with how well Dinwiddie has played, maybe Irving will will see a little bit more of that possession and that usage to him, uh, and and maybe get this team playing better. But but yeah, to me the the question is. You know, obviously Irving is, is, is so talented and he's very good at basketball. There's there's no debate about that and, and he can create his own shot. He's he's become a solid passer. But the the offense with, with Kyrie really does feel like it's um, you know, him in a lot of ways similar to a to a James Harden centric offense where it's a lot of him dribbling the basketball, creating his own shots and or making the pass that leads directly to the shot. And sometimes, you know, I think uh, role players struggle playing off of that because you're not touching the ball, you're not feeling involved in the game as, as much as maybe they would like.
2: Yeah, I
3: mean, honestly, it was like, you know, I can't wait. Uh, I mean, the Nets are one of the more interesting teams because I feel like they, if they're winning in the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous team for somebody. And I wouldn't expect them. To upset anybody, but definitely one of the sneaky teams that the two or the one, two, three team is going to have to be careful
1: about. Absolutely. So, uh, were, were there any other teams in the uh, in that tier for you, Darius, or uh, are, are we moving on to the next tier?
3: So, the last team I mentioned was the Orlando Magic, um, but I mean, is, is they're a team for me where I had this high expectations, and they just completely. Have, have not met them at all. And it's mostly because this team cannot prove really good offense. I mean, it's just as simple as that. They don't have much, much reliable shooting. Um, as nice as it's been to see Markel Fultz uh, kind of get out of the front that he was in Philly, uh, um, he still has his struggles offensively. DJ Augustine, for as good as he's been for this team over the past couple of years, I, I just think he's just a He's just a back point guard, and, and, and it's just hard to find just reliable offense. I think the defense is good,
1: but it's only, it's only half the game. Right, yeah, the The offense has been a massive, massive struggle, and and that's despite the play of, uh, of Evan Fournier, who's having a, a career year offensively, shooting 45% from three, uh, you know, his effective field goal percentage at over 58%. Fournier has been has been excellent, and yet this team still just has been really awful offensively, and a lot of it just comes down to not having enough spacing out there on the floor.
3: Yeah, and, and, and you kind of mentioned it a little earlier about like Aaron Gordon. He's just, he does, he, he, has, he carries a lot of responsibility offensively, and I don't know, it, it's kind of been the, just the fault of, uh, Bruce he's he, he suffering an injury where he's down for a couple of weeks, and then, and then Aaron Gordon probably just wants to do a lot, and it's not great for him, it's not great for the team. And then you have Jonathan Isaac for as great as he's been defensively, like, I think he's going to be in a conversation for the defensive player of the year. Um, he's just not great yet offensively, he takes a lot of shots, Aaron Gordon takes a lot of shots. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just bad all around. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think the They'll slide into the seventh seed, but they want to run into the same issue they did last year against the, against the Raptors. They're, they're just going
1: to be over, overmatched. Yeah, um, the that's a reason why I'm I'm pretty high on the Magic and have them right at the top of that uh, fighting for the playoffs tier is that they've, they've been able to, again, if the playoffs ended today, they'd be in the eighth spot in the East, and they've been able to do that despite not having their best player in uh, in Nikola Vucevic. So uh him returning should should help uh, alleviate at least some of the offensive concerns out there and they've been a solid enough defense, solid enough defense that uh yeah, I think the the playoffs are are a virtual certainty especially if uh, if the Blake Griffin issues in Detroit continue. So uh we're now up to uh, our second-to-last tier, which is teams that could make the conference finals, you know, if the, if the bracket goes in their favor, similar to, like, the Portland Trail Blazers from last season, or even, like, a Denver Nuggets. Both of those teams got a, a favorable bracket situation, and, and the Blazers making the conference finals, and Denver just barely missing out. Uh, so, uh, Darius, who's the, uh, the bottom team in this uh, could-make-conference finals tier for you?
3: So the team that – so I I guess there's going to be a couple surprising teams that we didn't expect them to be here when the year started. But for me, uh, the bottom team in the system, the Indiana Pacers. Um, uh, To me, I thought they would be improved. Well, well not necessarily improved, but I I thought they they would just be steady. Like be somewhere in that five to six seed range, playing strong defense, having an okay offense, but just not good enough. But Malcolm Brogdon has – He's carried the load for this team, and I didn't think it would be sustainable. But man, that guy is good. Like that guy is good in pretty much all facets of the game. Um, Demontis Sabonis has been extremely good. I thought when they signed him to that contract extension, it would, it would be a bit of a mistake, but he's been extremely solid. And and they have Victor were coming back. I mean, I don't know how good he's going to be because that injury is. It's it's a major injury and you don't know what you're gonna give for him, but if he could give you at least
2: eighty percent
1: of what he was doing a couple years ago, man, I think the Pacers can be very dangerous. Yeah, it's uh it's been incredibly impressive what they've been able to do without uh without their best player in Oladipo. The fact that they're fifteenth in the league in offense they've they've managed a, a league average offense with yeah, with, with Malcolm Brogdon and and Jeremy Lamb and T.J. Warren being the main initiators is is so impressive. And, yeah, you just throw Oladipo into that mix, and, and maybe they could be a borderline top ten offensive group. And and then, you know, you factor in the defense. Miles Turner has been exceptional as a rim protector. They're seventh in the league in defense. Oladipo is another guy, I think, that, you know, he's a he's a good two-way player, so he could even lift them a little bit on the defensive end as well. And, yeah, if you're a... If you're a top ten borderline offense and a top five defense, you know a conference finals isn't uh, isn't too crazy. Yeah, yeah, not at all. I mean, do I think they
3: get there? No, but I I, I can see things falling in, in a way that you know crazier things have happened. Like this team has a lot of good pieces, and and for sure, like could. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even mind seeing them there because, like, they're they're in a they're in a market that like a lot of teams, or not necessarily teams, but a lot of fans don't really see or even care about. But it's gonna be a pleasant surprise to, to like, see these guys in potentially the second round and going toe to toe with one of the, the the better teams in the East.
1: Yeah, I actually had the Pacers as uh, the third team from the bottom, so I had a couple teams below them in this tier, but. Uh... Uh, my my bottom team in the uh, could make conference finals and, and I actually had this team in the top tier when the season started but they have just been so disappointing and that is the Utah Jazz. Yeah, <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm not sure about that
1: one. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the offense has been horrendous. You know, Mike Conley maybe uh, might be washed. Uh, you know, Joe Ingles looks uh, significantly worse than in previous seasons. Donovan Mitchell still has a, a heavy mid-range shot diet that doesn't really uh, help his teammates on the offensive end of the floor. They haven't been able to to get Rudy Gobert's lob threat involved enough, and the defense hasn't been good enough either. You know, obviously they were gonna they were gonna sacrifice on that end a little bit by by getting rid of Favors and replacing him with Bogdanovich. But the fact that the offense hasn't gotten better, uh, you know, and they've sacrificed the defense. I mean, yeah, the, this team's ceiling has has shrunk quite a bit. But there's 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 always that uh, that possibility that that maybe the likes of, of Conley and Ingles, those guys, pick up their game a little bit, and with Rudy Gobert, they could have a team that that is a borderline top ten on both ends of the floor when when it matters most in the postseason.
3: Yeah, I, I, to, to me, I, I'm not with you. With like, this team is surprisingly not as good as we thought they would be. But the ceiling that this team can potentially reach, I still think is, is there and can and like definitely can be reached because Conley, he was he was he was so good a year. But I think like for for all the years that he's been an All Star stuff, last year was the year that he was to me like he was most deserving of, of that spot. And to be a year removed from that, I, I, I feel like he, he can't be this washed. Like, he, he can't be this bad. He's, he's got to be going through a stretch. Now, it's been a couple months, but but I, I, I refuse to believe that, like, this is it. Like, like, this is my like, he is
2: now. I think he's a better offensive player than this. I think he'll, he'll be better on defense. Um, he just has to kind of get through this hamstring injury and obviously uh, get back on the floor. And... And like I, I think he's going to be the the person
3: that is going to make this team reach their ceiling or, or not because he was he was the the main addition. Um, Mike he's been he's actually been surprisingly pretty good. He's been worth that seven million dollar contract. Yes. But but he but he's he he's not the guy that's going to make this team go. It, I, I believe it's Conley, and I just don't. I'm just not ready to to give up hope yet, and I'm close,
1: but yeah, <laughs> not there. Yeah, I, I talked about the jazz with, with James Trigger on my episode last week, and, and one of the things I brought up was the fact that, you know, we, we talk about skill development with players. And with Conley, I think a lot of his development, because he played with Marcus all for so long and, and he was the constant pick-and-roll partner, that part of Conley's development was, you know, inherently connected to Gasol playing with him and it has been a real challenge for him to adapt to playing with Gobert you see him pass the ball to Gobert at the free throw line on the pick and roll and Gobert's like well I, I can't do anything with the ball here uh, and and you know Conley has I think struggled with that right hand floater and and also he's not getting to the rim as often in part because Gobert is rolling And his man is at the rim every time on those pick and rolls so uh it's uh you know yeah the 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 optimistic part of me says well kindly we'll we'll figure it out but but then the pessimistic part of me goes well maybe maybe this is going to take more than a year of playing time with gobert for him to uh to fully realize what he can do with this jazz team yeah like all those all, all those things actually can make plenty of sense um yeah,
3: it's I'm 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 just going to hold on to the fact that Conley, is he's a very smart he's a very shrewd, shrewd player. Um, passing the ball, passing the ball to go back at, at the foul. It's it's funny and I, I I noticed he did that in, in one game and I was like maybe just pass to be deserving, but 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 yeah you, you could be on something, but that's just how he's played for the past I don't know ten plus years. With, uh, with the sauce, so that's what he's accustomed to doing. But, but like they have a lot of better players on their team who are all pretty good, and I, I can't see them just just going out too too early, at least without putting up a good fight. I guess you have them swept by rockets. I can't see this team doing that. <clears throat> but they have put together performances when they're losing by forty at halftime. So. So I, I don't know. The more, the more I
1: think about it, I'm talking myself out so it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've enjoyed watching the Jazz play over the years, so I more than most would, would love to see this Jazz team play some pretty good basketball. And, and yeah, I, I would like to see uh, every year I, I want to see as as competitive and interesting of a, of a playoff matchup in that ra- first round as possible. And, and yeah, the Jazz have got to pick up their play if they want to uh, even get out of uh, a, a – the first round in, in a very tough western Conference but uh, my my next team in this tier is the miami heat the heat have been a, a very pleasant surprise if the season ended today they'd be uh, they would have home court advantage in the in the first round of the postseason they uh, they've been pretty good on both ends of the floor above average but my my concern and again is another thing i mentioned uh the episode with James trigger we, we talked about the jazz and the heat and the Heat's three-point luck on both ends of the floor has been uh, has been quite prevalent. They're they're making more threes than you would expect, and the opponents are shooting much worse than you would expect from downtown. And they give up a ton of opponent threes in terms of the percentage of shot attempts. So the that combined with the fact that uh, this team just feels like they're they're a piece away from truly being. On par as far as the talent with those top teams in the East, I don't quite see it, but they are also a team that, that could make a trade to to upgrade the roster. Yeah, I was, I was
2: just about to say that I don't think a trade
1: for a, for an upgrade
3: is out of the question for the for the Heat. But I mean, as long as Duncan Robinson shoots all the, all the threes, I don't know if the three point bucket is gonna is gonna go away with that. End of the but um, yeah, like. They they've they just had a lot of guys who you wouldn't expect the contribution from just contributing in a major way. Um, Duncan Robinson, like I said, he's been a, he's been a pretty big piece. Kendrick Nunn has come out of nowhere and he's been able to f- like fill in like really 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 well when Jimmy Butler's missed time. Gordon Dravis is down right now, and that guys just stepping up when and, and, and just stepping up at in a high level too. And, and like they're getting a lot from Tyler Hero, like rookies. Like I mentioned earlier, like rookies typically aren't, they're just not
1: positive players. Tyler Hero's stepped in and just been, at minimum, just a complete knockdown shooter. Yeah, they, uh, Hero has been, has been great. Uh, not only just the, the catch and shoot, but he's shown a little bit of an off the dribble game as well. He, he seems to be a guy. A lot of rookies, I think, struggle with their confidence, but he certainly has confidence uh, oozing out of him. Uh, yeah the, the heat are an interesting really interesting team and yeah they, they could be a team that that could look at uh, at, a, at any number of guys because they do have the the salary uh matching ability with uh with the likes of waiters and James Johnson and Kelly O'Linick. they've got plenty of contracts to to uh to to salary match in in a potential trade so it'll be fascinating to see what they do and, and especially if they're in the in the top half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture that might persuade the likes of Pat Riley to to make a move to uh try and get them up another level. But uh Darius, who who's the next team you have in this tier?
3: So the next team for me is the Dallas Mavericks. Um I don't think either of us saw them be this kind of good when the season started. Uh I knew Luka would be better. Um, because um, just how how players are and they right that game, they always take a step. Or at least you expect them to to, to take a step. But Luca has been an MVP candidate and and like and like a true MVP candidate. Like he's, he's doing pretty much everything the team needs him to do <laughs> to be great. And I'm just not sure how how much longer this 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 can keep up because he's that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's playing above his head. I, I think he's actually this good. But one of the main pieces that, or one, one of the main things that's making this team so good right now is their bench. Their bench is just dominating everybody. And and there's like, like the offensive, offensive numbers uh, for, for these guys when, when Lucas on the floor versus Austin floor, they don't change that much just because uh, you have, <laughs> the bench just modeling everybody. And I'm just curious how far that, or how long they can keep up. And then once they get to the playoffs, how much will that matter? And because, like, that reminds me of a couple years ago when the Raptors bench was just so, so good. Then they played with Bob James, and it didn't matter. So I'm <laughs> right. So I'm just curious, like, how much that's going to mean in the long
1: term. Yeah, you know, the... I actually have this team as the the second-highest team in this could-make-conference-finals tier because of what you mentioned, which is the offense. Their offense has been absolutely elite. They're number one in the NBA. They're, they're one of the greatest offenses of all time so far this season. And and yet, Doncic has taken that step. I believe it's it's real. Now, he, he just suffered uh, a, a sprained ankle, so he's going to maybe miss a couple of weeks. And this could be where uh, in a couple of weeks' times, if we were to do the same exercise, they might be a little bit lower just because they might fall down the standings without him. Uh, but but right now, it looks like they're they're on pace to potentially get home court advantage in the first round. And again, it's going to be really tough for teams to stop them. And and your point about their bench being really good and and that maybe not being as valuable in the postseason that's that's valid. But at the same time, the we're just going to see more Luka Doncic, and this team's offense with Luka on the floor has been phenomenal. Yeah. So,
3: so my the, the issue I have with this team, I, I, I think I don't know if Luka can make up for, for all of it um, because like the, the other thing they're going to need is they're going to need the Kristaps Porzingis that was dominating in New York. He's going to have to come back to to to, to this team at some point this year, and I, I get it. He's had was off for close to two years because of the AC injury And you don't just get back to form within two or three months of the NBA season. It takes, you know, quite a bit. So I'm, I'm on the fence of whether he'll return to form by the end of the year. But like you just need a guy who's going to, who can get someone in the post and absolutely just dominate take advantage and make them regret switching. And the game against the Celtics where Marcus Smart switched on to... Porzingis and Porzingis couldn't take advantage, to me I was that's what gave me huge, huge possible concern because those guys should be able to crush switches. Porzingis as big as he is, he should be able to just crush switches and I get it. Then he could, could could be factoring into that, but he has to be able to, to, to crush like people switching on him and he hasn't done it
1: yet. Yeah, Porzingis has been has been really disappointing so far this year shooting 32% from three and 29% from mid-range. He has, uh, you know, he's, he's just not been good enough. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, as you said, has to do with the, the year and a half off. And, you know, we, we saw it even with Gordon Hayward last year, even though Hayward had a, a horrible postseason, uh, that Hayward got better month after month. And by, you know, March and April, he was looking like at least... Even though he wasn't nearly the player that uh, that he has looked like this year, he was at least a positive presence. And you know, Porzingis I think has still been a positive presence defensively, but offensively he's struggled. But you know, if you just see minor uh, improvements from him month over month as the year goes on, he could be a, a positive contributor on the offensive end come playoff time. But yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see. And uh, Mavs fans, obviously, and the Mavericks organization invested a lot in Porzingis, so they're going to be hoping to see some some signs of growth as the year goes on. But yeah, the the Mavs are are a really fun team, an interesting team. And yeah, the you know again, if the if the bracket uh, goes their way and, and they get a couple of good matchups, they uh, you know a conference finals appearance is is not out of the realms of possibility. Uh, so so the next team for me. And uh, you might be surprised at how low I have this team, but it's the Houston Rockets. You
2: know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. And I'm almost right with
3: you
1: on that. It was the, the Rockets were actually going next. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're 16th in defense, I, I, uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they've been that good. I think they, similar to the, the Miami Heat uh, on the defensive end, they've been pretty lucky in terms of opponents' three-point percentage. Uh, so, you know, I think to, to, to compete for NBA titles, you've got to have basically, you got to be top 10 on both ends of the floor, or you've got to be so elite on one end that, uh, and, and average on the other, but this, this Rockets offense, I don't think has been quite as good as years past. I think the, uh, the Westbrook experiment has, has not gone great, you know, that we've seen in, in late, uh, Late game situations, multiple really good teams like the Bucks and the Clippers double off of Westbrook, and Westbrook hasn't been able to make them pay. Uh, and and yeah, the the defense is a is a major concern, as I expected with the likes of having Westbrook and Harden as your uh, as your defensive backcourt. Yeah, and um, I, I, I don't want to like,
3: just understand what James Harden is doing because averaging forty is by no means easy and it should be appreciated. But you know, in terms of just like having how well this team would do later in the season, it's all smoke and mirrors, Because I think Mike Malone kind of laid the groundwork is we're just gonna double you as soon as you cross the floor with uh, Russell Westbrook's guy and we're gonna make him have to beat us. And as we've seen from years past in the Oklahoma City, if if you do everything you can to get the ball out of James Harden's hands and force one of those other guys to beat you, I don't, I don't see how this goes well for the Rockets. I mean, can they, can they win their first round matchup? Sure. But now, when you, if you have to do this against the Clippers or the Lakers or even the Nuggets, I don't think you can win four out right of seven times like that. And it all comes back down to the trade for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like, they're going to use his man double
1: games yep Uh, i mean i i don't expect teams in the postseason to go as crazy as what like what you referenced the nuggets did and just double him every possession when he gets past half court but for me the concern is in a close game you know in in a seven game series against two evenly matched teams there's going to be two or three games that come down to the wire and and you've got to, you've got to go 2-1 two, two or 3-0 and oh in those games to likely win the series. And even if teams throw it in the last couple of minutes and, and throw a couple of double teams, I just don't trust Westbrook's going to make, the, make those shots and make the right plays to, to, uh, to make defenses really pay for that. And the other thing is, at the end of games, you know you've got players that are tired. You start to walk the ball up the floor more and those double teams start to come with, say, eight seconds on the shot clock as opposed to 16. And then, you know, you, even if you've got a four-on-three situation, you're, you know, the clock is against you.
3: Yeah, and, and the, the other thing is, like, in the playoffs, James Harden has obviously had his struggles, which I don't think much. I'm pretty sure everybody's aware of that. But it's, it's going to come down to, if, if we're not going to double you, we're going to play you straight up. Then you're going to, going to be going against, if it's the Clippers, you're going to have Paul George or Kyle, or maybe Badger Bradley, or if it's the Danny right green, green, or one of the other really good defenders. Is that step back going to be working both for four out of seven games? And history has shown us no. And if he's going to go back to it again, I'm going to have to know. Like I, I don't think his step back is efficient when it, when it comes down time to, for the playoffs.
1: Yep, I think referees are uh, you know a little more hesitant to blow the whistles on those three-point foul calls. Uh, You know, obviously the defenses are better, so uh, you know those those shots are more contested. And then you've also got just the factor of the the playoff games are more intense, so there's more mental fatigue, there's more physical fatigue, so those shots don't go down quite as often as they do for him in the regular season, but. I'm glad you mentioned what he's doing, though. You know, and he's really the only reason why this team is even in this category for me. Like they, they really shouldn't be, but uh, he has just been so sensational that I mean, they're they're third in the NBA in offense, despite you know this rest of this roster is not that talented offensively, especially when you consider that Eric Gordon has missed so much time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like PJ Tucker is a really valuable NBA player but I don't think he would have the value that he had on any other team right, that he has here because he's, he stands in the
2: corner and he would not miss that corner three and James Harden and and Westbrook uh, too. They'll, they'll find him for, for that three so, so often and, and you have plenty of guys like, like even Ben McElmore. Like ben,
3: ben McElmore was he was out of the lead I thought and then now he resurfaced with the Rockets
1: and it looks like right yeah you mentioning pj tucker he's able to probably just in in practice and in, in the off season just focus on on practicing those corner threes because as you mentioned uh, especially Harden is so good at getting him the ball there in those spots whereas most teams he, he'd be he wouldn't be even getting two to three open looks and on this team he's getting four or five every game uh but uh yeah, let's let's move on to, to the next team on my list, and and that is the the Toronto Raptors, and and the reason why this team I think has has the capability of maybe getting to a conference finals is the defensive end of the floor. They're second on uh, they're second in defensive rating in the NBA, and uh, they they've got a guy in Marcus Gasol that has shown that against you know if they were to go up against the Philadelphia 76ers, can shut Joel Embiid down. Yeah,
3: and that's 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 the reason why I have them. I, I think our our lists are starting to mirror each other now because I've, I've been, I have them. I have in the in, in this spot as well. Um, Pascal Seattle, taking another step is huge for this team. Um, he's he's just been so good, and with with Marcus Saul, meaning uh, man, man, the, the, the paint. I can't. If to to get the Sixers, I don't think it's uh, a easy as a series as a lot of people are sure would like to think. Um, and, and, and then
2: Fred, Fred Van Grie has just been uh, it, it, it's, it's it, to me it's, it's
3: strange. Like I don't think he, he was as good even in the middle of last year. And then as soon as the the series he was the Warriors he just turned into this all-star level player and he's been at that level ever, ever since. I think he's he's the
1: one of the main reasons that this is just, just yeah I uh, I'm gonna do a little promotion of some of my own stuff but I just recently did three articles for the on the Toronto Raptors so uh, any of you listening I uh, would love if you would check that out and, and any feedback you give me would be great but but yeah I, I just did a, a huge deep dive on the Raptors they've been really interesting yeah Fred van Fleet has been has been great stepping into the starting lineup. Uh, they, they've had some struggles offensively from the likes of, of Gasol and Ibaka, especially in the two-point range. Uh, so that has maybe kept their offense back a little bit. But Siakam's ascension into a superstar-level player has, uh, has really allowed this team to... allowed all of these guys on this roster to kind of take up similar roles to what they had last year. And this team has been good enough. You know, they're, they're sitting... Again, we're recording on, on Monday afternoon. They're sitting at 17-8 and eight right now. They've been good enough that potentially Masai Ujuri, the general manager, might consider making a buy-now move when everyone in this offseason was expecting the Raptors to sell at the deadline.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I was thinking that uh, like, like the Magic, for my own self, I should go out and try and get Kyle Lowry, because he, he might just give them something at the point guard position. But right now I can just see this, see this team, you know, like we need we need to add something in terms of uh, guard depth. If if, if Kyle Allen you know, probably, if we can't keep up like, the same pace that they're playing now. I think both those guys are playing in like high thirties. So like giving giving those guys some some uh, insurance or that in, um, maybe adding something to talk about the small quarter position, like O. G. And nobody he's been really good so for Norman Powell, he's been great. Like like this team is just—I I think they—they've they've surpassed all expectations. And what I do I think they'll, they'll get to the finals. No, but I'm definitely not not willing to get out. But in terms of
2: competing in the conference
1: finals, right? Yeah, the um, obviously we'll we'll get to a couple of the teams uh, in the in the next tier that are that are likely to make the conference finals in the East. But you know, if if you were to say. Toronto is the third most likely. I I don't think that would be a a crazy statement. And yeah, they they've been they've been a really solid basketball team this year and have gotten production from from a lot of guys and and they've been a a much deeper team than than uh than I think a lot of people expected. So the the final team that I have in this tier, the top team I have in this tier is the Denver Nuggets. Now, um, the, the Nuggets have certainly struggled on the offensive end. They're 19th in offensive rating, and a lot of that struggle has, has come down to Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic has, has uh, I don't think, hit a three-point shot all season. He's really struggled uh, with his outside game, uh, and he seemed uh, rather lethargic. Maybe he's been a little bit out of shape to start the season, uh, but, but the defense has been really exceptional. They're third in the league in defensive rating, and i got to imagine, with as good as Jokic was and as good as he was in the playoffs last season, that uh, the offense will, will come around sooner rather than later. And, and, and for me, like, like Jokic is
3: just a reason why they're not in the title contenders. Part of the part of this uh, bracket and, and they're just in the conference title, conference violence potential. Because Jokic has taken a step back, and it's... Weird because I think like part of the reason is that he doesn't look like he's in shape, and it's weird that he cannot be in shape when like he played for his national team over the summer.
1: So, right, you report for camp soon after, soon after that part of the, the, the international season. So, I don't understand where he got out of shape.
3: I'm, I'm, it's just baffling to me. I and mean, then he's not really as aggressive as he was last year. He's. Uh, I can't remember who it was a few days ago, but he did the whole first quarter and didn't take a shot. And that's not the first time this happens. It's like, that is the story. It's just like, he, if, if he, if, if the switch flips with McCoy Jokic, then I can see them battling with the Lakers and the Clippers who trying to get to the finals, but it's whatever he decides.
1: Right. And your comment about him playing for his national team over the summer in the World Cup and uh, yeah, when did he get out of shape, and I didn't really get to watch much of the World Cup at all, but perhaps he was out of shape even heading into that, because I know, like the United States, Serbia was another team that that disappointed uh, and and finished, I think, sixth or seventh overall in, in that tournament, so maybe even just going into that tournament, he was already out of shape, and and uh, somehow, despite playing a bunch of games in that tournament and, and playing 25-plus games so far this NBA season, he, he still hasn't uh, hasn't gotten fit yet.
2: Yeah, but,
3: I mean, hopefully he can pull a dream line and find a way to lose 25 pounds in February or March. But, but aside from Jokic, um, I like everything else, almost everything else like about this team. I'm, I'm a little worried about... Uh, their shot creation outside of Jokic, because say he doesn't come around, say like this is the guy we get for the remainder of, of the year. Is Jamal Murray enough to to go to down the stretch when we have to play the Lakers or the Clippers? Like, can Jamal Murray? Get that? I'm 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 not certain in
1: that. Either, right. Yeah. And um, you know, it's not just the likes of of Jokic that has struggled and. On the offensive end, you know Jamal Murray shooting just 33% from three. Um, yeah, they, they just haven't uh, they haven't gotten production across the board. Although Will Barton ha- and and Paul Millsap have have shot the ball well, but uh, you know you look at you look at Murray and Jokic. Those are two of the guys that you would say, okay, these are the two that are are helping this offense go. And uh, both of them have struggled so far. But I like both of those players enough that uh, that I'm not giving up on them. Same way you're not giving up on Mike Conley. I'm not giving up on uh, on Jokic <laughs> and Murray for the Nuggets. And, and they've at least, unlike the Jazz, they've at least been really good on one end of the floor, and that is the defensive end. So uh, they've got that they can at least uh, rely on a little bit. But, uh, Darius, were there any other teams in this tier that you had before we move on to the uh, title contenders? No, I think that's yeah, I think we're would move with
3: the same, with the, with the same. Teams in the
1: next one too. Okay, so we've got so uh, we've we've got five teams left then, and uh, the the team at the bottom of this tier that I have as a title contender, and I, I was kind of I'm kind of surprised that you also have this group because uh, I thought this was kind of going out of the box, but I've got the Boston Celtics in the title contender mix. Yeah, so I, I don't know what it is, but I just have, I just have a soft spot for the Celtics I always have movies because I'm just still fond of the
2: KG and Ray Allen air. but uh, I think this team is really good and can really give the Sixers some problems or the
3: Bucks some problems if they go out and just show up the center position with some the defense. They going not have to make a move, but I think that they can do it. and if they do that, I think the other two teams in the, in the, in the Eastern Conference
2: should be worried.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, the Celtics right now are fifth on offense, sixth in defense. And yeah, uh, a potential trade for a center, I think, is what could put this team into the category of uh, actual title contender. And they've, of course, got that Memphis pick, that, that Memphis Grizzlies pick as a trade asset. I think they would probably have to include Marcus Smart to make any sort of a deal work. But um, as, as great as Marcus Smart has been defensively, the improvements of the likes of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on that end of the floor, the um, the fact that Gordon Hayward looks healthy on both ends, uh, you know, I think the Celtics could still be a pretty darn good defense even without the likes of Smart. And for all the talk of of Marcus Smart uh, being a good shooter now, he's shooting just 34% on threes this season. So uh, if he's the guy that they have to offload to to bring in a legitimate starting center. Uh, I think they they have to do it. Yeah, I, I
3: I I hate the idea of having to trade him, but it, it would be something that they would have to do because the center is the piece they need. Marcus Smart, as valuable as he is, they could definitely withstand losing him. Um, but but you have to just be you just have to be confident in the fact that Jalen Brown is going to be able to carry carry the defensively um, because. Because right now, Marcus Smart gets all the all the the, the, the top guys on the, on the other team. Marcus Smart's the guy you can trust him to run around screens. You can trust trust him to just play tough post defense. The switching doesn't matter. Like I said, he was in the post defense for Zegas, and somehow for person, and couldn't take advantage. Um, that guy's gonna have to be Jalen Brown right now. And am I confident Jalen Brown is gonna be able to pick up the sack there? Not a hundred percent confident, but. It means bringing in a center to sh- to shore things up. then you have to pull the trigger there.
1: Yeah, and and I I do think like if if they could maintain Daniel Tice, I think Tice if uh, is is has been a really good player for them. I think he's just uh, not quite good enough to be a full time starter. I think he's an excellent backup center. So uh, if they if they bring in a guy that uh, is a is a quality center on both ends of the floor, and again, I think the center position is is something that uh that that's the easiest position probably to acquire a quality player in the entire NBA. Of course there's there's talk uh, about you know the the Pacers maybe at some point having to to trade either Sabonis or Turner, but you know, if the Celtics were somehow able to acquire Miles Turner, that would be quite a get and it would make a huge okay. difference for this team. Absolutely. Now um the The other thing that, that makes me pretty confident about the the Celtics on the offensive end is, you know, last year I think an issue was when, uh, you know, you they had Kyrie Irving as a as a creator for them, but when he struggled in that Milwaukee series, they just didn't have anyone else they could rely on to create offense, and uh, you know Gordon Hayward really struggled in that postseason, but the way Hayward is looking this year. He gives me a lot of reason for optimism that uh, in the event that a team can slow down Kemba, that uh, the Celtics have a, another go-to guy that they can throw the ball to and uh, create efficient offense for them. And, and, exactly. And the, the, the thing I started to notice as Gordon Hayward was in some time with his uh, uh, broken hand was that a lot of his like, if, if offense wasn't going, or if Kemba
2: wasn't able to create, they're going to Jason Tatum. And the offense just wasn't going as... It, it, I, I just didn't like the way like, Jason Tatum
3: trying to create shots. He's not; He wasn't as efficient as I would prefer him to see. But if that second guy is Gordon Hayward, then I think you're, you're getting better shots for everybody else. Because Gordon Hayward, he's he's more of a creator. He, he's not necessarily always looking for his shot. He can do things to get other guys good shots. And with Jason Tatum is playing off of that, then I, then I like looks a lot better. I like James Brown looks a lot better. And it takes a lot of pressure off of Kemba. So, with Gordon Hill being back, I hope his hand, and I guess he just, he just recently broke the nose, too. So I hope all of those things haven't affected Gordon Hill too much and that he can get, he can get back to the guy that we were seeing in like the first couple weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Kemba playing off the ball has been pretty effective. They've utilized him Running off of screens and, and he's looked comfortable in that role as well. So yeah, the the Celtics look pretty good and, and yeah, I think we're both in, in, in agreement as far as uh, that that basketball team. So Darius, let's move on to to your number four team on your list. So my number four team and I give them a lot of slack and I I, I give them a lot
3: of uh, I get I, a lot of you know, bad publicity from me. Well, probably because I'm from the city, but the Sixers are, they're just an overwhelmingly dominant team with, in terms of talent. But if they don't find uh, a solution offensively by the time the playoffs roll around, the city's going to be very disappointed again. i As seen throughout the season, as we, throughout the, season like the defense is just dominant at times, but the past couple of weeks, the offense, when it comes down to fourth quarter situations, it's just disgusting. It's it's
1: difficult to watch. Yeah, they're they're a fascinating team. Obviously, everyone knew they were going to be a dominant defensive group, and, and that has shown true. They're they're fourth in defensive rating. The offense is twelfth, uh, but as you were stating, that might be more for the first three quarters. A lot of times in the fourth, things bog down, and uh, they have they have struggled at times. You know, when you don't get out in transition as much. Ben Simmons has been a, a bit of a disappointment, and yeah, when they don't have, uh, you know, when they're going up against a team that has a guy that can slow down and bead, they don't necessarily have a lot of options offensively. Yeah,
2: and, and that, was the, that was the issue with, with Toronto. I, they played twice this year,
3: and Toronto won the first matchup, and beat them zero points. Um, now, that's definitely, um, I don't only expect the to ever score zero points in this one but that just speaks to what Marcus saw or how much Marcus Soule can frustrate B to the point that okay, in his own head and scores zero points. In the second matchup, the beat only have 10 points, but he's but it, the point is that he, he struggled again. And if a B can't dominate you, then where does his team go? Josh Richardson, he's a very good player, but I don't know if when it comes down to the playoffs, do you want Josh Richardson to be your, I guess, Jimmy Butler type of guy? We um, you know Ben Simmons as 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 much as he's as much praise as, he, as he's getting for being a hundred percent from three point games here. here. Well, he's still not great. <laughs> ben Simmons isn't great, and I don't like the 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 floor that this team has. The ceiling, I I think, is potentially they're holding up the ladder of the But the floor, um, I'm very
1: pessimistic about that. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, my thoughts on this team hasn't changed much. I thought they were going to be a, a lesser regular season team because of the offensive struggles, but then when it gets to the playoffs, you get into a seven game series, you allow all of these super talented, long, athletic defenders that the Sixers rosters have to, to focus in on an opponent's tendencies, their playbook. Uh, you know, you talk about a guy like Matisse Thybulle. He's shooting 47% from three. Obviously, I expect that to go down. But the fact that, you know, if he's able to make enough shots that he can be a guy on the floor as well, that's just another monster defender that they can put out there in a series that can make life miserable on any opponent they face. And like we saw in that series against the Raptors, you know, they made Fred Van Fleet uh, look like a, an elementary school basketball player. They you know, they they make things tough on any small guard. And you know, you, you talk about the teams that they might face, they can make life miserable on the likes of, of Middleton and Bledsoe for Milwaukee, you know, on the likes of of Kemba Walker for Boston. And you shut off those, uh, those uh, offensive threats for opposing teams and, and things can get re- really difficult and, and Philly's offense only has to be okay potentially for them to get through. And all those things I, I agree with and
2: they're, they're true but they don't have the go-to guy like in B,
3: be because of just the weird construction of this team I can say that is wrong, it's just that you just have uh, you know, a 6 step lives in the paint, you have a power forward who, he can go outside, but you know, he's he's that's not where, I, I don't think just like he prefers to be out there it's just you have a lot of guys who prefer to be closer like, to, to to the basket so where are you going to put consistent offense or at least an easy for the bucket, because I don't know if can B's going against a guy who can who we can't just bully, like Gasol, then I don't think his his offense is particularly easy. I don't think Ben uh, Simmons could have particularly easy offense. Device Harris so is, I mean, he's going to have to be looked at maybe as a closer, but I don't know how, how confident I feel about that. It's just, I don't know where the, the easy offense comes from if it's a playoff situation for for fourth quarter and you're know, down five with a minute and a half to go
1: yeah no I, I i agree with all of those concerns you know it can't be overstated the the role that butler played in, in crunch time for that team and also jJ reddick through you know most of every playoff game his ability to attract multiple defenders off of just a simple down screen was so valuable for that team's offense yeah the the offense is going to be a struggle the the thing for me though is you look at you look at offensive rebound you look at uh, how good their defense is going to be, and they're going to get a lot of live ball, you know, turnover transition opportunities to to potentially create some offense. And also, they've got enough guys that even if you don't like a Tobias Harris or a Josh Richardson uh, as a, as a as a creator, those guys are tall enough they can get their shots off. And sometimes just just getting the ball up at the hoop, you know, you 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 might get fortunate. One guy might get hot. For a certain game, and and again over a seven-game series, if they get a different guy getting hot each game, that could be just enough offense to to push them through. But but certainly it'll be fascinating. I expect some some defensive battles when when they get into the postseason for sure. But uh, let's move on now to uh, my number three team on my list, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh uh, yeah, I think I think we're we're in agreement there
3: that's my number
1: three team as well. Okay, so the, the Lakers are sitting at fourth in offense, fifth in defense. They've got a 24-3 and record. They've been incredibly impressive. And uh, they're expected right now to win 62 games this season. So, uh, yeah, Darius, what has, uh, what has been your thoughts on the Lakers? And given how impressive their record is, why are, are they sitting at only number three?
3: Because... They played a very soft schedule. Now, don't get me wrong, they're absolutely crushing everybody in front of them as, as they should. And I don't think this team is a lightweight by any stretch of it in the imagination, but <clears throat> their schedule hasn't been particularly tough. So I'm, I don't know if I'm willing to say that they're better than the other two teams left, but uh, I'm, I mean, my mind's definitely open to the idea that they are. I'm just not going to put them there yet, just because they've dominated the likes of the Hawks several times and the Warriors and the Kings. I want to see them against, you know, some some better teams first.
1: Absolutely. Uh, they, uh, as you said, they they've beat the teams in front of them, which is all that you can do. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Despite the the twenty four and three record, there's a reason they're only projected for sixty two wins. Even though that would be, I think, right now they're on pace to get around sixty nine or seventy. But uh, you know, if they, if they kept up this same record for the rest of the year. Uh, but, but yeah, they, they've been really good on both ends of the floor. LeBron James has looked really, really darn good. Anthony Davis is, uh, you know, my favorite right now for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, yeah, they, as far as, um, you know, prior to the season, I didn't have this high of expectations, and, and they've jumped into consideration in that top two at the very least. So uh yeah, they they've been real impressive. So moving on to uh again, we've got two teams left and uh if you haven't figured out yet the the last two teams are the Bucks and the Clippers, but Darius, which team do you have at number two?
3: Reluctantly I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks are number two.
1: Okay, we're in total yeah. agreement for all of our top five. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um like, to me the Bucks are like, this team is so good. Um, they don't really have too many weaknesses. It's just a simple fact that uh, uh, the Clippers just have two, two amazing all-stars on the team and the Bucks have one amazing all-star on their team. Um, Chris, Chris Milton's a solid player, but I don't know if... I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to say that he's going to be the number two to put them over the hump. and so there's so many question marks surrounding him when it comes down to the playoffs. Uh, is like if Georgia is the better point guard option when it comes to playoffs, then I think the the, the Bucks have a real prop but I don't have too many too many reservations about this team they're just they're so tough defensively. when offensively they have the shooting they have Giannis being as dominant as he is and if his three point shot is falling then I don't think there's anything anybody can do um it's, like
1: the Bucks are they're the, they're the real deal. Yeah, Milwaukee's been been a uh, a great enough team this season and last to, to for me to say that yeah they're the definite favorite to to get through the Eastern Conference. Although I, I do think that Philadelphia presents some major challenges, especially defensively, with the likes of of Horford and uh, and Embiid uh, guarding Giannis. And and you're absolutely right that the concerns about the 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 likes of of uh, secondary scores in Middleton and Bledsoe, that those are big concerns. Bledsoe, uh, his playoff track record is simply not good, and uh, it would surprise me if he if he was better. Uh, you know, I think that might be who he is at this point. Um, and and yeah, when you talk about playing as good as the the couple of teams in the West in, in those two L.A. teams, I, I don't know if they've just got quite enough on the offensive end outside of Giannis to get the job done. But defensively, they continue to be everything that you want in terms of blocking off the rim. You know, Lopez and Giannis are just so good at, uh, at taking away anything inside and, and keeping teams off the free throw line. And then also, you know, for the vast majority of teams, Giannis is just so good that he's just going to push them through and it doesn't really matter who the second or third offensive option is. So it'll be fascinating to see, and uh, yeah, Milwaukee certainly uh, at 24-3 at and three themselves, same identical record as the Lakers here as we're recording on a Monday. They've got uh, a 13.2-point differential, uh, and, and they're expected to win 69 games based on some projections, so they have certainly been the best team in this regular season so far. But, yeah, the the playoff concerns, especially surrounding the likes of Bledsoe, uh, are, are well-founded and uh, might hold them back uh, against the team that we both have at number one, which is the Los Angeles Clippers. And, Darius, I'll let you take the floor to uh, to talk about why you have uh, the, uh, the Clippers at number one. Yeah, it's... I don't know where there's a weakness for this team,
3: if, 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 if anything, it's just the interior defense with Montrezl Harrell. If, if he's going to be the center in their final group, maybe that's the weakness. But other than that, it's you have the like Patrick Beverly is going to be the annoying point guard. We have enough offense between Kawhi, PG, Lou Williams, and Montrezl Harrell. Um, it's it's so much they can argue with at so many different points in the game. Uh, obviously. Paul George and Callive Anderson start the game, but then as soon as the second units come in, you have a dominant crew with Montrezl Harrell and Williams. Like, I haven't seen anyone stop those guys. And, and and those guys took the Warriors team from last year with six games. And it's it's just so much to touch with. Like Lou Williams being banned it's with the group that, that they have, it's almost over so, I don't know where you attack these guys, but
2: it's going to be rough for whoever
1: has to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the the combination of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're so good. They've got so much defensive talent. The center position is a, is a bit weak, but they're also a team that, that uh, still has their first round pick. They could make a move. Uh, I've always wondered, you know, Lou Williams has been great offensively for this team, but I also... There are times in fourth quarters where Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both just standing there, and you you wonder, well, you know, if if Lou Williams just gave them the ball instead, would this be much worse for this team? And I know it's nice to to allow those guys to, to put a little more effort in defensively, but um, you know, if Lou Williams ends up being a key part of a trade that brings them in a uh, a productive center, I think that could be a positive for this group, uh, a, as good as uh, the the multi-time six-man-of-the-year player has been.
3: Yeah, and, and there's, there's just so many different ways that, that they can go because even if they're ready to Williams, I don't think they, they fall off that much if, if at all because I don't think we've, we've seen the full capabilities of Kawhi and, and Ball George um, and it's, it's just so much depth on this team, so much defensive depth uh, Having I mean, mentioned Mo Hartless, like, like uh, Paul George and Kawhi don't even have to take the toughest to of match matchup because we can give it, if it's a guard, we can give it to Patrick If it's a, if it's like a stretch four or a three, we can give it to uh, Mo Hartless. And it's just so much versatility with these guys. Uh, it's going to be difficult.
2: And then now, like we say the backs beat them, but...
3: I don't, but it, it, I, I I don't think that's that's this team's true colors. I, I'd be surprised to see if we kept that final matchup. Those games would would go in the Bucks
1: favor, that is. Yeah, there's uh, there's been a lot of interesting things to look over. You know, the the season started with with Paul George missing some time, and and now of course uh, Kawhi has missed a few games here and there for load management purposes. But when They've, when, they've, when they've thrown out the likes of, uh, of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and, and Mo Harkless out there on the floor, they have been dominant. Lineups with Lou Williams, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Mo Harkless, and Montrez Harrell have outscored opponents by 37.3 points per 100 possessions. Now, that's in limited sample size, but uh, the, those lineups with those three wings are just so deadly. And uh, yeah, when it gets to a playoff series, having that kind of you know length and anticipation on the defensive end, they're 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 so devastating. And a reason why I have them a little bit ahead of the Lakers at this point is that conservative drop back scheme that the Lakers use. Uh, the the Clippers have the players to to uh, you know are basically the antidote to that. You know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both great off-the-dribble creators for themselves. Kawhi, great and very comfortable getting into the mid-range and knocking down shots. Uh, as good as the Lakers' defense has been, it seems like the one team that that might be the Lakers' uh, kryptonite in the playoffs would be the Clippers.
3: Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was really with to uh, with the Lakers is we haven't really seen too many teams that can actually challenge them and what the Lakers can do well. And the one game with that, or at least the heavy game that we did with, in terms of the Clippers, the first game of the year, um, the Clippers beat them. And I think they beat them by double digits. So I want to see more like, in terms of the Lakers, like who's going to be able to slow down what they do well. And in terms of the Clippers, they have all the capabilities on defense to, to slow them down. And they can do the same thing to the Bucks. And pretty much whoever they need to face, they have what it takes what you do
1: well? Exactly. Yep. I, uh, well, that that was uh, it. Was interesting. We had a lot of differences for the first twenty-five teams, but we agreed on the last five. And uh, Darius, we've uh, we've been going for quite a while. I appreciate uh, so much. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having us. This is fun. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh the show is also now on Spotify. Uh if you can uh, give the show a follow again a rating on there, uh that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh for future episodes, uh you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g dash at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from uh, from the people listening to the program. And uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar. And uh, have a great rest of your day.
0: Leftovers or. The DMV Number or house cleaning.